what's up investors we're going to be doing one of those coaching calls that you guys like to vicariously learn from other people's mistakes check out all the past coaching calls on the uh, passive investor member site we've got over a couple dozen of these calls and it's also found in the youtube in the uh, coaching call section but in the members section, which you guys can get access to by joining the club at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. It's free. I arrange everybody by credited and then crazy accredited section. Um, so you guys can find where you are. The guy we're interviewing today is net worth around $250,000. But just like a lot of the younger guys in our group, which we have a wide range of investors here from in 20 years old, all the way up to 60, 70 years old. Richard here, he's not making big money yet, but he's a chemical engineer. Those chemical engineers, I swear, are the smartest engineers out of all. No offense to you computer science guys. His net worth around a quarter of a million. Soon, this guy is going to be making some bank because he's only been working for maybe a few years thus far, but he's doing everything right. And this is how a lot of you guys are the guys who max out your 401ks very diligent savers. Maybe you don't have the whole family and children thing quite yet. Something I'm learning about personally these days, but you're setting up the framework to get yourself on the path to financial freedom. Most people come into our group and they're already in their forties and fifties. And, but luckily they have time on their side and they've amassed a million, $2 million of net worth. But this guy right here that we're going to be interviewing today and doing the coaching call, this guy will be a million dollars net worth easily, late late 20s, maybe early 30s. So it's amazing. And it's cool to see people get on the straight path and stop screwing around doing things like being a cheapo. You guys can check all the crazy stuff I would do to save money, which I'm not super proud of. But hey, that's what I used to do. And I live very frugally. Um, again, a lot of those uh, cheapo tactics are at simplepassacastle.com slash cheapo. And you know why I'm on the subject, one of the things that got me to the next level from 11 rentals to now to a few thousand plus was joining different masterminds, actually spending money to get around the people that took me to the next level. That's what the family office Ohana Mastermind is all about. We just bumped the pricing a little while ago. We continue to bump the pricing every couple of quarters to increase the caliber of that group. We have about 70 people in there. And if you guys want to learn more about the group because you're tired of hanging out with broke guys or people that are investing in their 401ks and all that nonsense, check us out at simplepassacashflow.com slash journey and enjoy the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Passive Cashflow. Today, we are going to be talking to a non-accredited chemical engineer. We're going to be doing a coaching call and guiding him on his way. But yeah, thanks for doing this, Richard. No, thanks for having me, Lane. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, so let's give some folks some context. How old are you are? When did you graduate? Bring us back today. You know, in all these financial profiles, everybody's situation is different. But I'll be honest, nobody's really a special snowflake. Everybody falls <laughs> the same five to 10 categories, but tell us a little bit about yourself. I graduated in May of 2017 with a degree in chemical engineering, and I moved to Houston shortly thereafter, where I've been working as at a chemical plant the last three and a half years. So I'm 20, just about to turn 27. And I um, was introduced to uh, financial independence about two years ago, two and a half years ago by my friend, Jared. And then I went down the rabbit hole and decided real estate was the way I was going to go. So I'm currently living in a house hack, which is a duplex 
in Houston. I have the one side rented out and then I have a room for rent in my unit, but I currently do not have a room. And then I recently in July just purchased the second real estate property and I did a successful burr and basically only left in the financing charges with that property. And so that one's a pretty successful first hard money loan as well as a refinance. Richard's a example of a younger guy. His net worth is under around around a quarter million bucks. But I would say your advantage is that you're pretty connected to the right people. Your buddy, Jared, knows another guy that knew me. And you guys are all like huge financial independence, retire early type of guys. Sure. You guys get your stuff together. You guys will be on your way in 10 years for sure. For those of you guys don't know, chemical engineers are probably the smartest engineers of the bunch. Your salary hasn't really taken off yet. You're still in that first crappy job. Is that? I switched companies a year and a half ago. And so I got a bump up to what I would say was the market value for chemical engineers here in Houston. That's probably about the average for a non-oil and gas, but that doesn't include a bonus this year. We didn't get it with the whole markets and the company being in not the best financial spot. I'm eligible for up to a 20% bonus. When that kicks in, like that could be a significant bump to my annual salary. What do you think your ceiling is in five years? Five years at this company, I don't think it would be too much higher. I could probably see it getting closer to a hundred at that point without making a promotion up, but it's a pretty small company. The one benefit I really is it has a good work-life balance compared to a lot of other. Got it. That's probably, you got that from your buddies, right? All, all three of you trio is you guys are all about quality of life instead of just making a whole bunch of money and spending it frivolously. Yes. And, and right now I'm able to actually work from home. So that's been saving me a significant amount of money on gas and just all around time. Yeah. So sometimes I look at this in a different order. If you guys are checking out uh, the podcast, go to my YouTube channel. We have the personal financial sheet, but in the upper right-hand quadrant, we have the net worth. That's where I take a peek at first. Again, about a quarter million dollars net worth. And then we look at how he's making money on a month-to-month basis, about $7,000 of salary coming in. But in, if he had a bonus, that'd probably be up a little bit. But then I look at uses of cash, which is his expenses. And there's a whole bunch of you guys out in the Bay Area, who you are, that make over $200,000, $300,000, yet you're only able to save about the same of, as Mr. Richard here. The thing that we don't really care about is this net cash flow. That's all your income minus all your expenses. And so he's probably able to save maybe 30 to 40 grand per year. It's pretty good, man keep doing that maybe for five more years, that'll definitely start climbing up to over 50,000. So you can keep buying assets that produce income. Are you a non-incredited investor looking for opportunities to invest passively? How about a newer investor looking to get a bit of a track record and confidence from your spouse who's a little bit skeptic of what you've been listening to the last few months? And could you use the reinforcement of double digit returns paid like clockwork in the form of monthly dividends? The American Home Preservation Fund, or AHP, is currently open again and is looking to bring new investors with them. I have been investing with them since 2016 and originally I used it as a means to pay for my regular expenses. I started with $60,000 as my initial investment and that paid my car payment completely for me every single month. AHP collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes via restructuring or selling the debts unlike their competitors. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when owner George Newberry 
saw the impact Simple Passive Cashflow was making, and eventually approached me to become a spokesperson of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks, and if you want a free Bird Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. For more information about investing with AHP, go to hpservicing.com slash investors. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. If, if you're a guy making over 200 grand a year and you're not saving 40 grand at least, you got to tighten in the belt somewhere. There's something going on. I was just talking to a guy yesterday. I made him laugh because... It's like I got five kids. Okay, that makes sense. I will say I do have the benefit. I'm unmarried and I do not have any children at this time. So Yeah. So you've owned some real estate before. Talk to us about how you picked that up. One of these is a house hack. The first one that I inquired back in March of 2019 was a house hack. It's a duplex townhouse connected units. And the one side's been rented out from the day I purchased it with an older lady and her son lives there. And that basically covers all of my HOA fees, the taxes and insurance on the property. And so then if I don't have a roommate, then I'm basically just paying a mortgage and interest in principal, which would be cheaper than rent for the size of property that I've got. I've had a little bit of difficulty getting uh, roommates. The area is a little farther than the energy corridor, which is where I was hoping to get younger college age students who wanted to intern or take work duties there. But I haven't seen as much interest. It's a little bit farther. Uh, but yeah, To hang out with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did have a roommate for roughly six months of the first year. And then I had one that moved in March of this past year and immediately lost her job afterwards. And so she left and I haven't been able to fill it since COVID hit. Yeah. And that's cool, man. But I would say in five, 10 years, you probably don't want to do that type of stuff. Are you looking to move out or what's the next move? Yeah, or, so, or you bought another single family home too here. Yeah. So this one was a, I would say a home run for me. I bought it in July from a wholesaler, used hard money on the deal, basically bought it at 115, put $39,000 into it and it appraised at 225. And so I was able to refinance at a 30, uh, 70% loan to value with a 3.625 interest rate. So it'll cash flow roughly what, like 130 bucks a month. And it ends up being, I'm trying to remember the number. It was like a 12% return on equity plus a, like a, I ended up with, if you include the capital appreciate or the forced equity, I ended up with a 413% return on my investment. So we look at it in terms of that's all nice and fine and dandy after the smoke clears, but what is the, I don't really pay attention to, oh, it's cash flow. It just seems counterintuitive because we're all about simple passive cash flow, but I'm assuming you're cash flowing on it. But if we look at the net equity here, how much debt equity is sitting in there? And it's not too much. You could probably pull some of that out or re-leverage it. But I think this is a good foundation to keep building more and more. And you'll see in the next two, three years, this will definitely peak over 100, this particular property. But what's the plan with the house hack? The plan is I eventually want to move out. And so I'm currently looking for another property that I could house hack. So I'm looking for a one that's closer to the center of the city and one that I could live in like an ADU or a garage apartment and then get a single family loan on. Yeah, you're just a rambling man making money as he moves around town. It's awesome. Do it now while you're younger. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I would say, if you had a little bit of equity in there, like maybe 60 or grand or more, or maybe you're there. See, before you move out, maybe try and re-leverage the property, squeeze all that out as an owner-occupied property. 
if right before you move out. Yeah. Just to squeeze that lemon right before you lose the opportunity. But right now, it may not be worth it to pay the origination fees for that. Probably not. And honestly, the, the neighborhood's a little rougher than I thought it was going to be when I bought it. And so I'm not sure how long I intend to hold this property. But if I can move out and potentially sell this one, I would look, I would probably look to do that before refinancing it. Yeah. What is your thoughts on this whole burr thing? Is it just, are you going to keep doing that in a few years or is it something you're going to grow out of when your network gets over a certain point? I think I would probably, after a while, I'd want to get into more of a passive side, but it's just at where I'm at to shell out 50,000 in cash. It takes me a very long time to save up for that. So then I'm doing a deal every year and a half at the really the earliest. And yeah, right now it's taking you what about 12 to 15 months to save up 50 grand right now. Yeah, And then that would be a significant portion of my net worth into one deal that I'm just handed off the money to. Let's talk to your buddies a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this was my first one doing like a major rehab. And so I actually didn't mind the rehab process. I found a really good contractor. He's really honest and like he found some things he didn't upcharge me or he finished in the timeline. So with the current job that I have and the flexible hours, it's not that big of a deal if I need to take an afternoon off and go look at the property or go out there and do my checks on all the repairs. So for me in the time being, it's actually probably the best use is to try and use the Burr method to generate equity. Cause it's, once you have the equity, it's easier to find cash flow than to take the cash flow and create equity. Yeah, you, you got to start a fire. Right now, you're just trying to get a spark boy with the burrs. But I would say Richard's different than the average person. He's got a couple things going on for him. Uh, number one, he's local to the area, so he's able to do it. He's not some guy out in California or Hawaii trying to burr a property in Kansas City, for goodness sake. And secondly, Richard's a smart dude. He's a freaking chemical engineer. He did like the contractor, the, the builder kind of role. He's not just some IT guy that, that is trying to manage remote work. So that's another reason why yeah, he's I, successful doing this. Yeah, I definitely would have said it would have been it would have been very challenging to do that project if I wasn't in the area and being able to drive out there and check on things and just do the do, proper due diligence. I would have had to put a lot of trust in someone if yeah. I wasn't doing it locally. And also one thing with the Houston market is there's a wider variance in the prices, you can find some pretty inexpensive houses and then you can find some really expensive houses. And so it really benefits the burr because you can generate a significant amount of equity, but it's harder to cash flow, I would say in Houston, single family houses. But you're doing what you can work with, right? Like you're, you just happen to live in Houston. Exactly. Can I move around or what's your geographic plans? I definitely like the warmer area, but I'm not De- definitely tied to Houston area. It, I'd be open to other markets or um, other areas. I used to, I grew up in Illinois, so I'm from the Midwest. So uh, we're going to look at your deposit, your, sick, your security deposit or your savings deposit checking account. We've got it scattered around. We don't really talk about this type of stuff, but what's with Chase Bank, man? Get into a credit union. No, so the <laughs> I just had the Chase Bank from when I went to college. And so I had a couple of those accounts open. And so I just opened a second one when I started saving for my rental property. But look into uh, there's some savings accounts that give you like two to three percent. They're called rewards checking accounts. And I did this for years. Like you have to do like an annoying 12 debit transactions per month and log in and do 
key statements. And I would do this for years where I would go to the gas station and, and pump my stupid debit card 12 times. Oh, really? <laughs> it was an incredible waste of time. Back then, the interest rates are a little bit higher, three to 6%. Okay. Just, I was doing that for 10 years and I just decided like a few months ago, I was going to stop doing that stupid stuff. But for you, every little bit counts. Yeah. I was getting 2% on the Discover account. That's where I had most of my money before I bought the this Burr property. But I had issues with the payment system. They didn't, they stopped letting me use Zelle. And then also with that, the interest rate dropped from two and a quarter down to 0.6. Yeah. You got to play around with it. Cause like you can also do like little one cent PayPal transaction or another one I was doing uh, Venmo. Sometimes they'll allow Venmo to oh, okay. debit transactions, but it all, it's all over the place. You just have to do it 12 times and see if they give you the higher interest rate, but nothing, the, the old going to the gas station, pumping gas for 36 cents every single time. <laughs> but you can't do that more than three or four times in a row. If not <laughs> on a phone call on your cell phone saying that there's, that's happening. So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm telling you to waste a lot of time, but I feel like you like that type of stuff. So whatever floats your boat or there's community direct is another bank account that gives you 1% or 0.6%. That one, you don't have to play any stupid games. Okay. Comedity. Comedity. And there's blue vine is blue vine is what I've been using for business checking accounts. And that one gives you, I think 1% and that one, you don't have to do any stupid 12 transactions per month. Okay. So try those two. But Chase is nice because you can wire stuff. Yeah. I have any of that. The Wells Fargo one, like I'd signed up because they gave like a $400 sign-on bonus if you hooked up a direct deposit and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. It's all the time wasters. Yeah. Okay, you got some term life. This is pretty small. Yeah, that was one my parents took out on me when I was an infant. Yeah. You're screwing around with Bitcoin and ground floor is like the startup. Yeah. So that... So it's like hard money loans. They let you do a very small dollar amount. So with that, like three, almost just under four grand, I am invested in roughly 300 different loans. So it's pretty diversified. And I've been getting a 10.8 interest on my money. Is that pretty secure? Or what's your thoughts on that? So far, so good. I haven't had, there's, I've, I think we've lost money on three of the loans that I've done so far. And so I started out and basically what I do is uh, every time I get paid, I put 50 bucks into it. And then I'm just rolling any money that I've made. So I've made roughly like 300 bucks over the last like year or so. Okay. I'm looking at the website now. So like they, they diversify it for you over a whole bunch of people. No. So you invest in the individual loans, but they have a very low minimum uh, investment. So you can invest in a loan as a little as $10. What do you, what's your increments? How do you break it up? So I just do $10 on all the loans. And now I'm starting to get to the point where I've been putting it in every loan that they basically have. And then I'm starting to get to the point where I'm putting $20 in. So if I lose, sorry, go ahead. Are you cherry picking like the better paper? Because they grade up A, B, and C. So I tend to start with the, and that's how they also do the interest rate. So I typically am just putting it in mostly the C and D, which is 11% normally (laughs) or higher. But, But when I first started, I was just putting them in everything. And I had just as many loans that like were in category A default as I did in category D. So I figured I'd go with a slightly higher interest rate. Yeah, it looks cool. If I were to do this, I would go to more of the A and B type of graded paper. 
what, yeah, what's the, the one, rate for what's the rate for a and b so the lowest they'll go is like 6.4 but like they'll have a's that go up to seven and a half and then b's will be from like seven and a half to nine and then c's will be anywhere from nine and a half to eleven and then anything higher than eleven's d yeah occasionally you'll see an e or an f but that they get up to 17, but that's the highest I've seen. That's cool. I, I, what I don't like about these crowdfunding websites is like the broker dealer, the guy administrating all this stuff is making a huge cut, like huge. So they're taking a lot of, of the profits on these type of deals. So like, for example, if a B class node is giving you 6%, it really should be paying out 8% and a quarter of the profits. But yeah, if you can diversify, it's cool. And it's probably fun too, I bet while you're yeah. doing it to this. Yeah, I started doing this when I when I first got into financial independence, like I was like all gung-ho. I made an offer on a property and it I didn't end up getting it. And so I didn't have anything and I had to re-sign a lease for another 12 months. And so at that point I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to buy a house anytime soon. And so I started doing this as a way to earn some extra money. And I've just kept going it over the last couple of years. Yeah. They do have an IRA form. So if you wanted to invest through an IRA, you're able to do that as well. The yeah, downside this is interest. This is all ordinary income, right? Which is the- it's, Yeah, it's interest income. Yeah. But you're doing also HP, which gives the 10%. What's, yeah. Why do you do ground for? Is it just for diversification or you want a better yeah. rate or what's the motivation? It was just, I'd started ground for before I was able to invest in AHP. So I wasn't able to, Jared told me about the 2015 fund, but it was already closed. And so then I waited until they did the 2018, the AHP servicing one. But AHP probably gives you a better rate than their B-class paper. Yes. Why are you still doing ground floor? Out of curiosity. It was just more habit. And also I hadn't seen the returns realistically from AHP. It's all one company. So I didn't, yeah. it was just more of one partnership if something goes wrong. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's just a diversification, even though it's yeah. a lower rate. Yeah, yeah. we do it. I would say the only thing is just as your life gets more complicated and your net worth goes up, it's better to simplify it. But yeah, you're learning a lot during doing all these little things. That's how I did it. I did a whole bunch of stuff that I wasted my time. And we're on the topic of wasting time. What about trade lines? Just going around with that? I have not. I looked into it a little <laughs> bit, but I, I was a little risky. I don't know. It, it seemed a little different. I don't want to get my I, car canceled. I swear by it, man. You're making <laughs> what? Like you got 11 grand in this type of random stuff that comes out to $1,000 a year. Give me a break, man. If you have a credit card, you can make that. In, yeah, you could probably make that in a year, which okay. just with one credit card. With Okay. I do have a decent amount. I have roughly 50,000 in credit card. You need to have the cards older than a couple of years. The longer, the better. That's the key. Yeah. I think I'll be coming up on two years come like January timeframe for several of my cards. Yeah. So if you guys want to make, I made, ten, I think 10 grand a year doing that silly hobby of trade lines. So if you guys are okay. listening, check out the e-course, com slash trade lines. There's a way to be safe about doing it. But yeah, just, I would say just learn about it, but that'd be a great way that you could make another five to 10 right there. And that's big for you, right? Because every year you're yeah. making 30 grand that, that, augments your savings 20%. Yes. And then you got some of your deferred comp QRPs here. Are you contributing any more money to your retirement 401k so, stuff? So not to the 401k or the IR, the Roth IRA. I've only, I still contribute a little bit to the HSA every single year. 
And I also get a company match. So like come January, I'll get a thousand dollar bonus just for having the HSA. And then my, the current pension is, I have no control over that. The 5% interest rate on the current balance is what I get yeah. on that. Awesome, man. Got, you're on the right people that think this stuff is garbage. The one thing that's nice about the, the Fidelity, the 401k, they were at my, from my older, my old company. So I have access to all those funds if I needed to. So in the back of my head, I keep that as a true emergency. If I lost my job and I needed to keep things running, that's what I keep that in there. Cool. Cool. Great strategy. Most people that are listening, I would say 80% of them are still on the fence of withdrawing from their 401k because we've all been brainwashed. Yeah. Maybe if there's any kind of words of encouragement there or epiphany you saw that ultimately made you, I know you had the right people around you that kind of told you about the truth. Yeah, it's definitely hard turning down the match. And what I really stopped was when I switched companies and I just didn't sign up for the next one. That was how I jumped off, but it's definitely not easy. Like I really had to commit to the real estate at that point. So what is your current company's match now? So they will do one-to-one up to 6%. And my okay. previous one would do uh, 6% up on the first eight. So they would do one-to-one on the first four and then half on the next four. Yeah. I was talking to a guy yesterday, Boeing does one one for one up to 8%. But I was still like, do the math, man. It doesn't make sense. Your crossover point will be a few years ahead if you just invest the money and grow up faster yourself. And it just depends on what you're limited on. Yeah. And I'm okay, like doing the match too. But once you move jobs, get it out. But that's another problem. People stay at their jobs a long time, which is pretty rare these days. Yeah, because that was one of the things that I did look at doing if they offered in-service rollovers, but both companies I had didn't offer. Okay. But you guys, a lot of the younger guys, you guys hop around jobs so much that, yeah, just put it in, get vested, and then pull it right back when we change companies. Yeah. And that's part of the reason too, that was an easier decision at my new company, you don't, you're not fully vested on the match for five years. So I was like, I don't even know if I'll be here for five years. And so to me, putting it in and possibly getting 20% of the match wasn't worth it. What are you, so you said great idea. If you guys haven't picked up on that is he's using this money as his emergency savings account, but what are you, what do you have this stuff sitting in? Oh, index funds. Okay, like a Vanguard 500 type yeah, of thing. Yeah, different mix of whichever one they offer. So Why not do a money market? What was your thought process? There? Or like a, something way more conservative or semi-conservative? I still, it's, I just left it in because when I first started getting into financial independence, the first things you find are index funds. And so I just haven't really looked at it since. And yeah. in my opinion, it's not a significant dollar amount in terms of if the market dropped 50%, yeah, I'd lose 10 grand or 15 grand. It's not like I'm sitting there with hundreds of thousands that I would lose a ton of money on. Yeah. So it's keep it on red mentality. Just let it ride. Yeah. yeah. Significant. So no, it makes sense. And, makes sense. And also engineers with my mindset, are all logical. And with my mindset too, I'm not going to ever run my bank zero, like really low to invest in a deal. And so I'm always going to keep some cash available and this is being a little bit more aggressive and the cash is a little bit more conservative. Yeah. And on all this stuff for you, like I'm getting really nitpicky because you're, you're not working with too much, but this is the foundation for when you get over half a million, then you won't really care about all this stuff. If you're to tweak this, maybe think about taking the Roth out because you've already paid your contributions into it and just taking it out cash to invest it. We talk about this a lot. Why do you not want retirement accounts? Number one, 
you're going to be retired well before you're 50. You want to wait till you're 70 to get it. Number two, your tax bracket is probably a lot lower today. So you want to pay your taxes on it today than in the future. Number three, where this country is going, taxes are going to be going way up. But more, what a lot of people don't realize is number four, get, when you invest in a retirement account, you don't get the passive losses from your investments. So that is, you need the passive losses, especially from the syndications to get on the simple passive cash or gravy train, which is all about lowering your W-2 active income and paying little to no taxes. And you don't get that opportunity to do that. Yeah, you got to get real estate professional status at 750 hours, but you don't get to do that until you get those passive losses. So that's the fourth reason why you don't do retirement accounts. But something to think about, like Richard, like just maybe take out the Roth because you already paid the taxes on it. So it's not really that big of a deal. And at least take out the contributions, not the gains. Because you take out the contributions, you don't need to pay the penalty on that, 10% penalty. Oh, okay. So drain that out. But at the same time, you want that magic number. I don't know what that is in your head, like 20 to 30 grand of emergency savings. Yeah. But if you have to increase it, well, then put money into your 401k via the match. Like, let's work backwards. How much of emergency savings do you want to have? You have 37 grand right now. Realistically, so the pension is like illiquid. So I wouldn't be able to get that. So I have roughly 30,000 in there. I would want at least probably 20,000 because that would give me roughly nine months of if I lost my job and I had just made an investment. Cool. Uh, and that number... Everybody's different. You're basically picking that number out of the sky, but let's go with that. You want about 20 grand in there. What I would do, I'm sure more than half of this is contributions. I would take that out now. And then maybe in the next six months, you replenish. Maybe even before the end of the year, you do a catch-up deposit into your 401k and get that match to replenish that. Whatever you take out here, put back in here. Okay. And then this, I would just get rid of it. Just cash it out because it's... Trying to simplify things too, right? At the same yeah. time. Yeah, no. So I had actually used, so I had opened that one when I was co-oping to start investing when I was still in college. And I actually pulled out the original contribution for the down payment on the first property. So all of that money is gains. I have zero basis in that. Yeah, I would just get rid of it. It's just, you don't need another stupid letter showing up in your mailbox every month or every quarter. Simplify life. Of course, I'm telling you to do this because you've already shown proof of concept of what you're doing. Yeah. Most guys are still at stage one, but you've, I feel a little bit more comfortable pushing you closer to the edge, but you got to decide what you want to do. But no, That's a good point. And then student loans, like you don't have too much of it, but tell us a little bit like where you started off with and your strategy mm-hmm. to get to this point. Yeah. So a little bit goes back. So I did a co-op program. So I, it was a work study. I did five work sessions over five years. And so I graduated with about 18 months of experience and they actually paid me extremely well. I was getting probably close to what a full engineer was making my final year. And they were also paying for my housing in Chicago, which was tax-free. So that ended up putting me in a position when I graduated college with a roughly 20,000 in cash and 30,000 in student loans. And so I started rapidly paying down the student loans. And then for the first eight months of my working career, and then I kind of got the bug of, I wanted a new car. And I'd always told myself once I paid off my student loans that I'd get a new car, but I ended up deciding that I wanted the car sooner. And so that's when I took out a more expensive car loan for me. And so I, at that point, I reduced my student loans to the minimum payment and then had been paying down my car loan. 
Yeah, man. Like, what's life without a nice car? A guy getting the financial independence. So, yeah. So I actually just refinanced it from the. So I extended the pay down a little bit, so it reduced it from six fifty five down to four fifty two. And so I'm just going to make the minimum payment on all of these loans. Was my plan, and then take the extra cash and invest it. Yeah, I I never liked cars, so you get a nice car. I would. Are you a car guy? Or is this... It was just I didn't want to always have the crappy car, and so I, yeah. a bunch of my friends got nicer cars, and then I wanted to keep up with the Joneses, and it was a mistake. But I honestly think it was good because it prevented me from buying too much house on the first property because I could have gone to the bank and said, "Hey, I just have a student loan payment of 150 bucks," and they would have given me a loan for I don't know how much. If you're a car guy, lease is what I say because you'd be getting a new car next year probably, or this year. Another reason, not a lot of people talk about it, but the reason I do that is write it off to the whole thing, the lease payments, as opposed to doing this silly 50 cents. So yeah, I, I don't do the mileage personally because I don't drive okay. that much. So it's 50 cents a mile isn't worth it to me because I don't drive anywhere. I don't sit on traffic, but you might. But yeah, when you get, if you're a car guy, lease, yeah, I'm definitely not a car guy. This is more of a, I wanted to keep up with the Joneses. So yeah, that was my not, one main mistake. Not stay single the rest of your life kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, my, my plan is to just keep the car because it's a decent car and run it until the wheels fall off. So yeah, yeah. But these student loans, they're so low too. You said you paid off some of the higher ones and it's such a small amount. You know, logically, you just keep paying it off, but at some point, just knock it in the head just to simplify your life too. Yeah. There's a lot of this is just finding a balance too. Because your and your highest and best use is do this stuff. Yeah. Not screwing around with acorns or doing 12 transactions on your debit card. Exactly. And I realized that too with that property. It was a little bit scary going through and taking out the roughly 13% interest rate loan to do all the work. But once it worked out, like it, it was, oh, that was all it was. And I'm just looking for the next. Yeah. And, and that's where trade line comes in, right? Trade lines is like, five, 10 grand a year for a little effort. I think that's going to be a big thing for you to help speed this up. That definitely can get you up to probably about a house every nine months to that. Yep. So this is how you, I see your story progressing. You just keep buying a few more of these, add a few more properties onto this real estate owned spreadsheet. And then probably like, that'll take you about a few years. And then maybe you dabble in some syndications or maybe you really like this stuff. But I'm suspecting you're probably going to be a lot more busy at your job. Somewhere around year five and 10 in your career, they expect you to take management roles, which you may, I don't know, what's your thoughts on that? Are you, you going to take that progression track? Or you're... I'm planning on being out of there by that point. So yeah, it's not your gig. Yeah, I think I want to go find something else to do by the time. So Five years, I'd be 32. That's when I'm trying to figure out a way to do it by then. Yeah. That's a, you just have to find a balance in life, right? I'm sure you'll make a little bit more than seven yeah. grand a month. And that's all you really need. You can keep driving to Aldi's, but if you want like a Bentley, you're going to have to level up. Yeah. But the time I, plenty. Getting your net worth up to 100, 200 grand is the hardest part, I feel like. It, it's just now you're on the track. Probably net worth wise, you'll see a half a million probably in the next three years. I guess. Yeah. And I mean, then, if I could do a one or two more burrs, like I would easily be there at that point. Yeah. Then and, maybe and, two to three to get up to a million and then you're off to the races after that point. Yeah. And for example, I would say about a hundred thousand of that was within the last four months, just between my salary and then completing the burr. 
I generated $70,000 in equity on the Burr alone. So yeah. I basically made my year's worth of salary by doing that one project. Yeah. Why would you want to take a manager role? Yeah, exactly. Deal. Exactly. Rather do some trade lines. Yeah. I guess I got to check out your course a little bit more. But, uh, yeah. Any other questions or anything you want to talk about? At what point would you say I should start thinking about syndications, like investing in those? So for most people, I would say get up to half a million at least but you're already so connected. That's how you got into this stuff in the first place. Like you have the great ability to invest via proxy. You got people around you already investing in syndications, testing the water. So by the time you're ready, which you could probably do it now, you just jump right on in into the lake. You know, this is, this is kind of what I call like investor proxy. If you have a couple guys who are your buddies that have already invested and they found that they found a good operator, then just jump in. How bad can it be? It's the ones where a lot of investors are like really dumb these days and they just want to sound cool. So they say, oh yeah, some really good. And you come to find out that they didn't even invest their money in it. They just, I don't know what the heck they're going off of. A referral is great, but it's not as good as like a real referral where somebody's actually investing money with. I got heard a couple of times we're investing with that silver level referral, the empty uh-huh. referral, what I call it. It's just like when people are trying to find property managers. Oh, ABC property managers good. Do you have any houses with them? Or did you just hear because they happen to be the sponsor of their local Rio or whatever? Yeah. No, I, actually one of my, my, the person I use as an accountability partner, he referred me to a property manager. And so he's 30 and he has 30 properties of his own and he manages now 50 properties all with his own company. And so that's who I'm using. So I treat him as a pseudo mentor as well with yeah. how he did the bird. But that's, I, I think you're different than most guys. Your ability to do these burrs, number one, you're a smart engineer. It's not, I think that's not most people and you're local too. So at some, it's probably a grind for you to do this. And so at that point, it's to, you're, you're going to stop doing this at some point. Just, you're the one who's going to dictate, but yeah. maybe, I don't know. I don't get the sense of that. Like you, this doesn't really get your blood going. It's not fun. I don't see you doing this for a super long time. Yeah, no, I can. And I tend to find myself, I get really focused on a certain area for a couple years and then I'll get bored with it and then want to move on to the next. Yeah. So So let me ask you this. If it's not your career and it's not flipping a lot of houses to inflate your ego, what do you want to do in five to 10 years when you're financially free and you have $6,000 of passive income rolling in every year? Yes. I definitely want to figure out a way to fix the education system. So I, cause I would have been a teacher if I didn't do engineering or teaching paid what engineering paid, but I definitely think our school systems could use an overhaul and figuring out a way and doing a proof of concept. The being financially independent would give me the time freedom and the resources to figure out how to do that. Teach financial, financial education, or just some other subject or other subject, but it would have, it would definitely be more of a life stuff. Not so starting a business, entrepreneurs, like using the science, using the math in real world situations, just not a math problem to figure out how to do it. So I'm not, I don't have it quite lined out exactly what I want to do or how it would work, but I definitely would. I think our school system severely limits the growth of a lot of people and you have to do a lot of unlearning once you graduate. Yeah. Unfortunately, the people teaching it are products of the system. Yeah. And I'm not blaming the teachers. They're like, they're doing their best and they sacrifice a lot. And so I just, it's hard to teach what you don't know. 
So yeah, I've tried to go back to some of the the local high schools here in my old high school to see if they somebody to teach this stuff, but they just look at me dumbfounded. Think or they think I'm trying to sell life insurance or something like that. <laughs> but I'll let you know how that goes. But I'm not having very much luck on my side, even though I'd like to. I like to write the right the wrong in the world just like yourself but i don't know it's frustrating people need it yet people are open-minded to it and i'm getting to a point where i'm just tired of it all just like whatever guys numbers speak for themselves and that's what that net worth line is not to get sound egotistic but it's that's the score right I mean, who's figured it out who has the best ideas on how do you build a career how to use the, the money to grow your net worth that's not everything that's just not how the system works. You got to go to school. You got to go get an education degree. That's what they want. That's just how the system is built. Yeah. So now that, and then it's just helping other people. So giving back, whether it's supporting people in disaster situations or being able to do things that you couldn't, like that's what financial freedom would give me the ability to do that, where it's more difficult. at the Yeah. You're just going to have to make more money. So the money opens doors. I think if you can brand yourself with the right authority, which you have to pay for, it can open up those doors where you get the authority to help out people in that matter to get past the gatekeepers. Yeah. I'll let you know, man. I'm trying to figure right. it out. Too. All right. Appreciate it, Richard. If you guys want to do these and put yourself out there into the free world, join our investor clubs at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you, Lane. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.